Discount Stripper is a specialty dance and stripper store where you can practice your sexuality without shame. They carry only slutty clothes, sexy lingerie, and downright whorish stripper clothes at affordable prices. Shop from brands like Pleaser Shoes, Leg Avenue, Dream Girl Lingerie, and more. Whether you're working in clubs, taking pole classes, dressing up for a partner, or admiring yourself in the mirror, you deserve to feel sexy without breaking the bank. Click the link in this week's episode description and find a lingerie set, micro bikini, or something else that makes you feel like the sexiest version of yourself today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Chopa. Oh my gosh, let me tell you all, I went to a training yesterday that was like, I don't know, five and a half hours or so, and I am sore as shit. So this was a pole training, and it was a lot of aerial stuff, which I um, don't have a lot of experience with, and there are muscles in my shoulders that I didn't even know I had that are so fucking sore. I'm like, oh my god. I, I, I'm i so sore that like rolling over in bed last night was a real struggle. Like adjusting the covers was a real struggle. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling it today. But you know what? I... I'm really proud of myself and how far along I've come in my in my pole journey. You know, I never considered myself somebody who was like exceptionally strong. And I feel like pole has really helped me to feel stronger and um, it's helped me to find a lot of confidence. And it has also required that like I tune into my body more. And I feel like when I first started doing pole, um, you know, they, the instructors would tell you like, oh, pull with this hand and push with this hand. And I felt like I kind of half-ass did that. Like I was more concerned with like the movement itself. But now I'm able to focus more on like the technicalities of it all and the mechanics. And that I feel like helps to make me even stronger and also helps me with my overall pole journey and and technique and I'm just really really proud of myself I feel like I've learned so much more about my body and um you know hopefully I'll be able to teach um pole burlesque and chair for um one of our local studios soon and I had this thought cross my mind that I wanted to share with you all um So you may or may not know, but I gained weight over the past couple of years. I'm not going to justify that weight gain. I'm not going to shame myself for it. My body is going to change. It's just the way it is. Um, And I haven't always felt great about it. You know, some days I can accept it more easily than others. Um, And sometimes I get frustrated with myself for being upset about my weight because I, I know it doesn't really mean anything um and so I was thinking yesterday like oh I bet with like amping up my activity levels in this way I'll lose weight and I stopped myself like right after I finished that thought and just said why does that matter 
Like you're going to get stronger. You are going to get better at pole. You are going to teach others about body diversity and body liberation and sexual liberation and and just being a fucking badass female. Like it doesn't matter. And so I've made this pact with myself that I'm going to trust my body to do what it needs to do to allow me to live the life that I want to live. So if that means I become more muscular, great. If that means that I lose or gain weight, fantastic. Like, I am really working towards trusting my intuition, trusting my body. And some days that's easier than others, right? We're not always going to be completely satisfied with our bodies, especially when we see so frequently who gets the the hot boyfriend, the hot skinny girls. But that's, that's all pretend, you know? Most of us are just out here like with average size bodies and a lot of us are out here with bodies that are considered you know bigger than most and it just doesn't matter it does not matter there are so many more interesting things about me than my weight and oh I swear (laughs) and you know I used to get so excited when people would comment and be like oh my gosh have you lost weight and then I started not losing weight and it was like, nope, not losing weight. Uh, I actually gained six pounds, but thanks. I'm like, why is that the first thing people say? Stop. Stop it. You can tell me I look happy. You can tell me you like my outfit. You can tell me you love my hair. You can tell me it's so fucking great to see me. You know how much nicer it sounds to say to somebody like, hey, I am so excited to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. You look you look fantastic. That's all I need. I don't even need the you look fantastic part. Just like, it's so great to see you. That's going to mean so much more to me than did you lose weight. Because fuck that. Fuck that. I have so many interesting projects going on. If all you can think about is my weight, then like, we're not going to be friends. Like, we're going to have a fucking problem. But anyway... <laughs> I digress uh, because I want to get into this week's episode. This is an exciting episode because we have our first ever return guest and I do want to give a little bit of a warning. So <laughs> uh, we recorded this in person and so I haven't quite mastered um, the recording in person thing yet because I'm using one microphone um, and so you're going to hear some sound differences Uh, So my guest is a little bit softer spoken and I am (laughs) loud and rambunctious. (laughs) So you're going to hear some volume differences. I tried to kind of even them out, but it's, you know, not perfect. So that's something that I can work on. Um, But either way, it's a really fun episode. Um, We were sitting in my closet because that's where I record and drinking wine. I, as I was editing, learned that when I get uh, a little tipsy, I say the word like a lot. So I'm not sorry. It's just the way it is. <laughs> but uh, this is so exciting. Uh, our guest today is uh, Kate Roberts. 
She is a friend of mine who is returning. This is her second time on the podcast. So first return guest ever. And um, if you have listened to her episode already, her first one, then you'll know that we briefly discussed Kate's history with polyamory. If you have not listened to that episode, I did link it in this week's podcast episode description. So that way you can go back and listen to it um, because it's a really, it's a really great episode. It, we, we touch on so many topics and we talk a lot about grief in that episode. So for this episode, I wanted to dive more deeply into polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. Um, this is something that I think, I, I guess I hope that we will see more of. Um, I hope that we'll see more representation in media. And I also hope that we can kind of collectively broaden our perspectives to accept polyamory and ethical non-monogamy as valid ways to have relationships. And also, I think, you know, for a lot of people, they would benefit from ethical non-monogamy um, because I don't know about anybody else, but the thought of being somebody's like everything and only source of love is truly terrifying to me. And yeah, it's it's interesting. So I am constantly working to understand the concept of romantic love. Um, I I understand platonic love. And I also struggle with, like, what what does it mean to love someone romantically? Like, I just don't know. I don't know. Um, and it might just be the way that I'm built. I don't consider myself a romantic. Um, but, yeah, so I loved this conversation. I loved hanging out with Kate. I always loved hanging out with Kate. Um, also, you will hear some distractions from the cats. They were really excited to have somebody else sitting in the closet. So prepare for that. Um, but yeah, I think that you'll really like this episode. There's so much wisdom imparted from Kate. And I always... Welcome back to the podcast, Kate. Thank you for having me back. You're my first, like, repeat guest. Oh, I like that. <laughs> it's really exciting. And I'm sure the people are going to love it because, like your episode has been the most listened to. How does that make you feel? I am su I'm surprised, honestly. I mean, that's really cool. I like that people like to listen to it. But yeah, it's kind of surprising. I'm not surprised, but I am like, fuck yeah! <laughs> so I wanted to bring you back um, because a topic that we touched upon last time was polyamory. And so uh, I would love to hear more about your experiences and just more about that in general. But before we get too far into it, do you mind giving us a little bit of like a, a like a 30 second bio about yourself for somebody who maybe hasn't listened to the other episode, which what are they even doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So my name is Kate Roberts. I have been on Kelly's podcast one other time I'm talking about therapy, mental health, uh, grief polyamory, stuff like that, but I am a marriage and family therapist. Um, I work a few different locations that my clinic has, the Pocket Center for Psychological Services. Um, yeah. What else? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're a bad bitch. You're yes. a mom. Yes, You're a widow. Like Yes. Yeah, that too. There's, there's so much about you. That's fucking rad. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we started talking a little bit last time about polyamory, and um, I thought it would be interesting to have another conversation about that because, like, I think it's something that a lot of people are curious about. Yes. And I also think a lot of people would benefit from practicing ethical non-monogamy, but I think it's so hard because, like, we're not really taught how to be ethically non-monogamous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's usually just, like, you're monogamous and that's it and you try to be with that one person for the rest of your life or, like, you quote-unquote cheat. I hate the term cheat. Yeah. It's, like, a bad word, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm, like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I agree that we are definitely not taught about it. I mean, I didn't even know that it was a thing or that there was a name for it until much, much later in life. Right. Because monogamy kind of rules all in mainstream society. Yeah. Yeah. That very, like, heteronormative, like, this is what you do. Like, you get married and you make babies. Mm -hmm. Like, not... (laughs) Not for everybody. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started um, with practicing polyamory? Yeah. So before my husband and I got married, we had some conversations here and there about it. And it was something for myself that I really needed to explore. And I brought it up with him and he was okay with it. So that was lucky because I did not know how that conversation was going to go. It could have gone very badly. But it was about six months after we got married, and we had the conversation, and it it definitely evolved. Like, you start out doing things one way, and then you get to know what works for you. So we just, we had the conversation, we talked a little bit about um, boundaries, limitations, stuff like that, and we got on dating apps, um, we were on OkCupid, I think, <laughs> that was... The main thing that we used back then, this was back in, gosh, like 2014, but we started meeting other people and pursuing connections, and it was a a very interesting journey, Um, usually is, (laughs) but yeah, it was, I think it was a very good thing to do, it was a good experience. Um, I'm very curious in general about things, and this was definitely something that I felt like needed to be explored more Mm -hmm. yeah so I'm curious how did you like broach the conversation with your husband because I feel like a lot of people are curious about it but don't necessarily know how to have the conversation Mm -hmm. um and that's I feel like partly because like we all have egos right and like we also don't generally want to hurt our partners so like I feel like sometimes it can be challenging to have that conversation without it sounding like you're not enough or like you're inadequate. So I'm curious, like, how did you have your conversation? Mm -hmm. Well, initially it started out having a conversation with my husband about me wanting to date women more Mm -hmm. because I, you know, um, compet, stuff like that, you know, assuming I was straight and I got married um, mid-20s and I didn't really have a lot of time to explore other parts of myself mm-hmm. and I'm glad that I got married but that always felt like that was something that was missing in my life was dating women mm-hmm. and that was a part of myself that I also really needed to explore so that's how I brought it up I said this is I need to do this um, I know this probably 
comes as a shock or you know makes you think that we have issues but it's it's not about you I think if I was with anyone this would probably still be something that was coming up for me and he was okay with it so initially that was kind of my goal starting out but as we talked to other people and had more experiences we opened up the door to whatever whatever felt right mm-hmm. yeah that's and it sounds like he had a really like supportive response right mm-hmm. he was like oh yeah like that kind of makes sense like I kind of feel that way too right yeah yeah I was very lucky because he was a very open person and he did not take like the toxic masculine view of it like mm-hmm. oh I'm not enough like my manhood is threatened because you don't want to be monogamous with me mm-hmm. so I was very lucky that he was a very I guess evolved man which right. is the only reason I married him <laughs> I mean there were other reasons but that was the main reason it's just he was so open about those things and I felt comfortable talking about those things so that was fortunate yeah and I think for some people they view like polyamory or ethical non-monogamy which do you have do you have a phrase that you prefer I that's yeah that's an interesting point because ethical non-monogamy is uh, more of an umbrella term mm-hmm. like there are a lot of ways to be ethically non-monogamous you know mm-hmm. that includes open relationships and swinging and just however it looks for you mm-hmm. um, for us we use the term polyamory because it was not just about hookups and sex like we actually wanted relationships with people we wanted um, really authentic real relationships and the, the option to love other people mm-hmm so I say, yeah, definitely more polyamory. That's how it was for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, like, I guess I feel a little, like, ashamed that it's, like, interesting to me. But I think it's just because, like, again, we aren't taught that, like, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory, that, like, any kind of, like, open relationship is acceptable in society. Like, we don't know how to do it. Right. Um, so I'm wondering, like, what what kind of learning curve did you have going into this endeavor? So there is definitely, definitely a learning curve. I think the idea of it and the actual practice of doing it can be very different. For myself, um, I saw a lot of things come up for myself that I anticipated being an issue. Like when I was much younger, I had a lot of issues with anxious attachment and abandonment. So some of that stuff came up for me and some of it came up for my husband as well. And it just took lots and lots and lots of communication and honesty. And it's difficult because you're dealing with matters of the heart Mm -hmm. and you're dealing with other human beings who have real feelings and real lives and real goals. So there is definitely a lot of different moving parts. And it's it's really interesting because I've talked to other polyamorous people and there's a common experience that a lot of us have had that sometimes the things that you think are going to make you jealous don't and sometimes things that you do not anticipate making you jealous make you really fucking jealous oh that's (laughs) interesting that was really interesting for me because I experienced that for myself as well 
Can you give an example of like something that you thought would make you jealous and then it was like, actually, I'm pretty cool with this. Yeah, I thought that I was going to be really jealous about my husband having sex with other people. I thought that was going to be the worst thing for me. And the first time he hooked up with someone and I was like, cool. Was it fun? (laughs) Good for you. And um, so that surprised me. And I was like, oh, maybe I am more evolved than I thought I was. (laughs) But then I quickly found out that I wasn't because... So he was dating someone. This was pretty early on in our endeavor. And I spent the night out somewhere and she spent the night. And I came home and I might have already been having a bad day. Mm -hmm. I think I probably was. But I got home and on like my side of the bed on my table she there was an earring there and I got so irrationally mad I was like get this bullshit out of my house and I like, <laughs> might have like thrown it across the room because I was just not okay in that moment but I was like oh okay I'm gonna need to unpack that and work on myself because yeah that's that's not how I want to react. That's an area that I would like to grow in. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that was a surprise. Do you think it was like almost like an unexpected, like intimate thing that you weren't really prepared for? Yeah. And I always try to look at the reasons why behind something mm-hmm. or the reasons behind the thing that is bothering me. And I think it was just. Um, that was a symbol of like somebody leaving their mark in my personal home Mm -hmm. you know this is my space this is where I live this is where my marriage is this is our life together and I probably in that moment saw that as a threat and it could have just been an accident right honestly (laughs) like it could have been but of course you know my emotional brain took over and I was like she's trying to steal my space place as the wife (laughs) which that was not the case right but I know you said before like you did have some situations where like your husband was dating people and they were like oh leave your wife like Mm -hmm. that's so I feel like dating while like like would you consider your husband to be like your anchor partner or like your primary partner I know there's different like terminology Yes, so we were definitely primary partners for each other, Mm -hmm. and we could have other relationships. Um, We could pursue connections however however it felt. If it felt right, that was totally okay. Mm -hmm. But he was my primary person, like, and my nesting partner. Yeah. Was one of the terms. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I love that. Nesting partner, we lived together, and, you know, we paid bills together and had shared things. I love that. I love that term. (laughs) It's it's lovely. But I'm like, all I have are my cats, so I'm like, they're my nesting partners. (laughs) Only I pay for everything. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so how do you, how do you, like, talk to people that you are potentially going to date when you are in an ethically non-monogamous relationship, or in your case, a polyamorous relationship? Just being very honest about what you're looking for. Um, what your intentions are. I hope everybody just heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 
follow suit. Yes. Right. Yas, queen. Yes. <laughs> because we have to drink wine if we're sitting in the closet. Yes, we do. <laughs> but sorry, please go on. But yeah, just, just be very honest about what you're looking for. Um, it's always best to be honest, to make sure everyone's on the same page, to make sure you're being ethical about it. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing. Yeah. Was there any um, kind of, like, reaction that people, like, gave to you when you said, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm married and, like, I'm looking to date other people? Were there any, like, assumptions or reactions that, like, people would have? Um, yeah, I think it, it would depended on who I talked to. I talked to my friends first about it, and some of them were kind of confused. They're like, oh, I don't really get that, but long as you're happy go for it <laughs> and I think people really try to understand it's it's a hard concept to wrap your mind around I mm-hmm. think for a lot of people and my family my siblings that I was closer to knew about it and they were supportive my parents were not happy so that was not good for a little while but then it was okay and I tried, I tried to seek out people who were also polyamorous, who were in similar situations, because they seemed to understand things a bit better. And yeah, I guess it, it depends on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Like there were, I would come across people on dating sites that assumed that because I was in a polyamorous relationship that I was okay with infidelity and unethical stuff mm-hmm. of the sort, like people that were on dating sites and hiding it from their partners they'd be like oh well you understand right I'm like "Mm, no not the (laughs) same (laughs) it's definitely not the same thing um one of us is being honest and the other isn't so it's it's not quite the same right do you think there is a difference I guess in how like men in ethically non-monogamous relationships are perceived as opposed to women in ethically non-monogamous relationships? Yeah, I think there definitely can be. Um, with men, there's, there's a whole thing. Well, there's a lot of terms. So if you don't under, if you don't know what they mean, just, I can clarify. There's a thing (laughs) called one penis policy, which means that I'm a man, my female partner can have relationships or whatever with other women, but I'm the only penis that gets gets to be involved. So I think some people see it as a guy, you know, on the outside, they're like, oh, good for you. You get to have as many girlfriends as you want or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, yay. And I guess for me, people kind of made the assumption that I wasn't happy with my husband. Like he was somehow not enough that we weren't actually happy we were just faking it but we weren't like we were very happy so I think there's always that assumption that it just wasn't enough somehow yeah that is really interesting um did anybody ever assume that you were Mormon (laughs) that's just really a curiosity that popped into my head (laughs) yes yes that did happen people think that polygamy and polyamory were the same thing that came up pretty often and they're like well 
okay, so you're, there's going to be multiple wives in your family. I was like, no, not necessarily. Um, if it worked out that way, okay, but that is certainly not our goal. Mm-hmm. And polygamy is not the same as polyamory. Like, we're not going to move to Utah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, open up this ranch of, you know, multiple wives mm-hmm. that I, I'm not about that life. So. <laughs> Um, that brings me to another question. I'm really curious about this, and this is more of just, like, a thought experiment. But, like, what is it about, like, the potential of having, like, multiple wives for you versus, like, polyamory that makes you uncomfortable? Is that, that is that like, that sharing of that, like, primary partner or something else? I would always just want things to be as equal or equitable as they can be. Um, I wouldn't want to be in a a relationship structure where I was not allowed to do what I wanted and to have freedom Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time in these fundamentalist relationships, it's the man that gets to marry multiple women and they are not allowed to do what they want. Mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely looked down upon. Mm -hmm. So I would just want to be able to do the same thing that my partner was doing. Yeah. Like, no double standards. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, so what... Because I know there are different ways to have these relationships, right? Like, some people talk openly to their primary partners about, like, their experiences and others not so much. Uh, can you talk about, like, what kind of rules that you had that worked for you? Understanding that, like, people need different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is very personal it's a very personal thing. Um, what works for one couple is not going to work for other couples. We had um, rules about honesty. Um, always be honest, no matter how painful it was or if you thought it was going to cause conflict. Always the best policy. So we had that rule. I guess we didn't have a lot of like hard limits. We had boundaries like don't cross this boundary. Um, Safety always, first and foremost. Like, if mm-hmm. you're going to sleep with more than one person, make sure you're being safe about it. Um, we don't necessarily need to discuss what's happening in our other connections or our relationships. I know some people like to be really open about that. Um, I personally didn't really need that. So our, our experiences were pretty separate. Um, some people will be pretty involved with each other or they will date the same person. But that wasn't necessarily something that we had to do. So it's like we had our own separate things that we were doing and we would check in about it every so often. But it wasn't wasn't the most integrated thing, which I think is fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we didn't really believe in putting hard limits on each other and what we could do physically. Um, Some people like to have their partners check in with them if they're planning to be sexual with someone or stuff like that. We didn't really care about that. We're like, be safe, have fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Just like, again, it's not a one size fits all. Right. Right. Like there's so much, there's so much more to it. Um, How, how much work was it like dating multiple people and like knowing that there were feelings involved? Mm Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, um, logistically and emotionally. It was definitely 
a lot of work because polyamorous relationships are real relationships with real people with real feelings so we always tried to be mindful of that mm-hmm. and it was just a lot of communication because um, you're you know trying to manage your own feelings and then your partner has their own feelings and your partner's partner has their own feelings so it could definitely be complicated I think that it was it was good work to do because it really challenged me as a person you know I got to see these areas that I wanted to grow in highlighted and even if I didn't continue being polyamorous in my life there were still things that I could learn from it like how to handle jealousy how to you know what were my views on relationships Mm-hmm. Is monogamy the only thing that is possible for me? Right. Yeah. It sounds like opening yourself up to like ethical non monogamy is something that's going to force you to like learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like a lot of work. So, would you say that like to successfully like enter this kind of relationship, like you need to have that like open mind of like, I'm going to learn a fuck ton. Like. Yes. Yes. I definitely agree with that. Um, I think I mentioned last time that sometimes people go into it and they have different expectations of how it actually is. It's not all fun and games, um, you know, because people have feelings. Mm-hmm. It, there's no avoiding that. There's no avoiding your own feelings that come up. It kind of opens up. Pandora's box with that and you're forced to look at these parts of yourself that are not the prettiest or maybe that you haven't been focusing on mm-hmm. so I definitely I don't suggest that people go into it with the mindset of oh this is fun and you know it's easy breezy it's just going to be something we do it's like no it, it's, it's work and I think it definitely can work for people if you are ready to do the work if you're not ready to do the work Uh, probably don't Mm -hmm. just don't expect it to go super smooth yeah yeah that's fair um do you and again this is more like a curiosity but like do you think that it would be helpful for really all couples like now that I'm saying it I'm like to be in some kind of like talk therapy so that way they can like process all of these emotions and thoughts like Mm -hmm. Because in my opinion, I feel like it would be great for everybody, but I feel like particularly for, like, those who are interested in non-monogamy to kind of have that space to, like, have these conversations. Like, what are your thoughts on that as a therapist? Yes. Well, I I think that's a great idea. And when you're kind of going into it blindly, you don't really know what you're doing. So it's nice to have that support. It's nice to talk to a therapist who is competent in these things Mm -hmm. and is not judgmental so that's really important as well I wouldn't go to um, a therapist that doesn't necessarily have experience with that Mm -hmm. because they do have some of their own ideas or judgments about it and you want to go to somebody who's very open and affirming of that stuff do you um, kind of like advertise yourself as being like competent in ethical non-monogamy Yeah, there's a a blurb about me on my clinic's website about 
what I like to do as a therapist, um, what are my areas of specialty, and I did put that in there. I haven't had a lot of clients like that recently, but I, I guess I don't do anything above and beyond to market myself as that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in like Facebook groups, there will people that will post about stuff. Um, they'll ask like, does anyone have experience with this? I'm looking for a therapist that is competent in this stuff or can at least be not non-judgmental. And I've thrown my name out there a few times and worked with some people that way. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's nice. I think that's so cool. I feel like you know, I talk about this a lot, um, but there are so many different ways that we are all marginalized, right? Like, for example, you and I are marginalized in the sense that, like, we are women and we are queer. And then, like, also being in ethically non-monogamous relationships because they are outside of, like, the heteronormative, like, societal standards, like, that's another marginalization. But I feel like it's one that gets forgotten and almost isn't, like, validated right was that your experience yeah I mean being outside of the monogamous structure of relationships you are an outlier there's not a lot of support that's readily available that you would even know about we definitely had to seek that out mm -hmm. and it was just a lot of looking for that and there's a thing called couples privilege in polyamory and it's looking at the ways that couples have privilege just as a dyad as two people because if you get invited to a wedding it's always plus one it's never plus two stuff yeah like, stuff like that that you wouldn't necessarily think about but if you are in a triad relationship the world is not really set up for acknowledging that type of structure mm-hmm and that's just one of the ways that you can be involved in polyamory. There are a lot of different configurations of relationships. Um, children, like the issue of, you know, who can be a guardian for my child legally? Are we recognized legally as a family? Right. You know, if we have a partner that we're not married to, no. I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of things that um, people don't really think about and you can't be legally married to more than one person at a time, so somebody's missing out in that arena as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think I first encountered, like, kind of the structural heteronormativity of, like, our society as, as relating to, like, ethical non-monogamy when I was uh, working for a company and, like, they were giving out movie tickets and, like, to employees and the employee could choose a plus one. Well, this particular employee had two girlfriends. And so it was like he had to choose, like, which girlfriend he took. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, I feel like I wasn't quite as informed. And I was like, oh, well, you just, like, choose one. It's like when you have a kid, you know, one kid gets to come with you. Um, because it wasn't, like, specified, like, it could be a child. It could be a friend. It could be, like, whatever. And then, like, looking back at it, I'm like, well, no. Like, that's such a like small percentage like why can't we make this exception mm -hmm. we're like oh if you want to bring like both of your girlfriends like go for it if you want to bring your best friend like go for it like it's so I feel like again it's just like following that suit of like this is how we do it and we don't really have any like good 
hard and fast rules about why we do it. It just is what it is. Um, so I'm I'm curious, like, are there any other legalities that someone maybe should be aware of if they are considering this kind of relationship? I think, like, marriage is a big one. It's It's complicated to navigate having children in these situations. I mean, I know... I've known people that have had, like, CPS called on them because they were in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, my God. And people in their lives were very concerned about their child when there was nothing to be concerned about. Um, if anything, I think it's good to let kids know that there are multiple ways of being in relationships and having families. Like, yeah. you don't have to follow one track. And as long as you're not, like having orgies in front of your kid, right. I think you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is how the baby is made. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to traumatize the kid. Um, yeah, that's wild. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe. I mean, I can believe, but, like, I wish it weren't true that, like, people were so narrow-minded to think that, like, who the parent is having, like, a relationship with is any of their business and impacts their ability to be a good guardian but people also think that about weed so it's like i'm surprised and not surprised at the same time um <laughs> the yeah, world is garbage yeah. <laughs> it is yeah and i just i think that stems back to people being afraid of things that they don't understand yeah i think that's a big part of it um and i also think I, i'm curious to get your perspective on this so like Anytime that I've seen, like, a quote-unquote thruple on TV, it's always ended badly. Have you, have you ex like, seen anything where it was like, oh, no, this is a positive thing in, like, everybody's lives? Have you seen any, like, media like that? I have... That's a good question, because I feel like there, there's always the trope of, you know, the guy with two girlfriends and, you know, at some point this is just going to implode. Mm -hmm. Or like you invite somebody like into your marital bed and then right. it like becomes an issue down the line. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if there's been a lot of media that I've seen that's been very positive. I watch, there's a show called um, Polyamory Married and Dating and that was one of the things that like really gave me the push to bring this up to my husband. I was like, oh, it does work. See, people are doing this and they're having success. And I liked that they were honest about what they were experiencing and some of the challenges. And I think people have different opinions on that show. It was probably edited to look like it was more like sex oriented because that's what sells. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, there are these people in California, and they're having orgies all the time, and that's what polyamory is. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's it's a lot deeper than that. Mm -hmm. So I still follow some of those people on social media, because I like to see different representation, and like, good stories and good experiences, where it doesn't blow up in your face. And right. ruin your relationships. Yeah. Like, I was watching um, Why Women Kill, which is a very fun show. Um, like, it, it had excellent, like, cinematography. There was a lot that I liked about it. But one of the things that I had a problem with is that they, like, introduced this couple as being, like, 
ethically non-monogamous. Like, they, I think they were married. Um, and it was like, oh, the, the wife had, like, a girlfriend. And then it turned into, like, the girlfriend moved in. And then they were, like, having threesomes and all of this. And then, like, she went and turned on them and, and tried to kill them. Oh, and no. then it was like, oh, and this is what happens when you bring somebody else into the relationship. Oh, and I was like, fuck, I thought this was going to be, like, <laughs> such a good spin on it. And it just, like, ruined it. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> It was a real bummer for me. Yeah, I, I hate that. <laughs> so I hope that, like, in the future there will be more media that shows, like, what a positive impact it can have in people's lives. Because it sounds like for you it was, like, a really positive way to, like, explore mm-hmm. other parts of you that hadn't been explored yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I think, well, we talked briefly about TikTok earlier. There is this couple that I came across on TikTok, and I think their account is called Decolonizing Love, Okay, which I thought was really interesting, mm-hmm. and they're talking about that in lots of different ways. Like, we're looking at this through the lens of racism and toxic masculinity and patriarchy, and looking at how all of that affects our view of relationships and love, so I thought that was really interesting. So I, d- I did watch a few of their videos, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And there's, like, a very cute exchange. It's a man and a woman, and the man had just come home from a date with someone, and his partner asked him how it was, and he's like, oh, my gosh, it was great. Like, she made us cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> and his partner was like, oh, my gosh, you have to marry her. Oh, my gosh, I love her. And I was like, that's, it was just very cute. <laughs> heartwarming yeah i follow a couple on instagram and i i think their their uh tag is like polyam fam and so it's like uh a a man and a woman who are uh, uh, married and like he like gets a text and it's like i just saw your wife out with this guy and like he responds and is like did they bring did they have like leftovers (laughs) (laughs) and he was like what what are you talking about he was like did they have food in a bag that they were bringing home? And they were like, yeah. And he was like, yes. (laughs) School. (laughs) I'm like, I love that idea. (laughs) I I, I love seeing positive representations and positive stories where people are experiencing compersion, which is the opposite of jealousy. Oh. It's um, being happy for someone else's happiness. I think that's a really cool term because I that actually surprised me as well because when my husband and I were dating other people and he was having good experiences I just found myself just like smiling and being like (laughs) aww I'm so happy for you you being happy just brings me happiness and like the little voice in the back of my head that was toxic monogamy was like no don't be happy about that but then I was like wait that doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah it's like no I do actually feel naturally happy about this Mm -hmm. so that was a really cool feeling that was new oh that's so interesting I feel like in my mind that's like the ultimate form of love right just like wanting the other person to be like happy and experience joy and like I think it's hard for us because our ego gets in the way and is like, we're the only one who should bring them joy, which is so unrealistic. Like, isn't that kind of an impossible thing to set yourself up for? Like, yeah. I will be this one person's everything. 
Right, right. I will be your one source of love and happiness and all of these things that you need. I feel like that's a lot of pressure to put on one person. Mm -hmm. And I personally don't want to be that for someone else. Agreed. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so hard. Um, And so I feel like there are a lot of people out there who would really benefit from this kind of lifestyle. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. I mean, also, I wanted you on because I enjoy spending time with you. And, like, we get to sit in my closet and drink wine like a couple of fucking weirdos. And I appreciate that. (laughs) But I I do. I think there's just, like, you know, you know how to date the opposite sex because everybody tells you right Mm -hmm. and usually for women it's like oh be a little stupid and like (laughs) laugh at all their jokes even if they're not funny even if you are funnier than them exactly speaking from experience (laughs) (laughs) but like nobody talks about if you're queer how do you date people of the same gender Mm -hmm. if you are ethically non-monogamous how do you broach that topic with your partner and with potential future partners it's just something that like we aren't exposed to and I think it's so important that we talk about this so uh, like one of the questions that I have is were there certain like resources that you used as you kind of like navigate these waters or any resources that you've since found that you would recommend to others yeah I think one of the things that I started out with there's a website and it's also a book called more than two and it talks about all things polyamory related and I think I just learned a lot by talking to other people who were also um, in polyamorous relationships and that was helpful for us Um, we met up with other couples or other people who were doing the same thing and we all talked about it and it was really nice to have that support and yeah I think I remember when we first started dating outside of our marriage we hung out with this other couple and I had a date coming up with someone else and I was like is it okay to talk about this but I brought it up and the guy in the other couple was like are you excited (laughs) like how excited are you right now and I was like I'm really excited (laughs) everyone was just so supportive they're like that's great that's so awesome because like I feel like and the only thing I really have to compare this to is like the fetish community where it's like you feel nervous like you're gonna like do something wrong like did you did you have any of that of like being like oh these people are like so experienced and they know everything and I know nothing like were you nervous at all about that yeah I was I was a little nervous about it I think I didn't really know what to expect and I thought, well, these people that have been doing it for longer, they're just so much more evolved than I am. And then I came to find out it's not really about being evolved, so to speak. It's just having experiences and doing better when you have that knowledge. But yeah, starting out, it was a little intimidating. But the more you do it, the less scary it becomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's basically like being an adult, I feel like. We're all just making it up as we go and figuring out, like, what works for us and when and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the caveat of, like, also, I have to take all of these other p- 
people's feelings into Mm -hmm. consideration, which is, it's hard. It is. And I think because polyamory and non-monogamy can be so different for everyone, there's no, like, universal standard for it. That can be confusing as well, Mm -hmm. because you can meet people that you're dating or friends, and it's like, oh, well, you, you do this differently than we do? That makes sense. Um, so it's like you're continually learning, like, what are your boundaries? What works for your relationship? Um, do our boundaries and values align with each other? Are we compatible in that way? So I do think it's just because there's so many different ways to do things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, I need some sort of a compass here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to know if we're on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on something that was, I thought, I think really important for people to understand where you said, like, I'm not sure if I want to be, like, ethically non-monogamous or, like, polyamorous going forward. Like, I think that's so important, too. Like, there, you can choose to be polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous in, like, one relationship and not necessarily want that for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like, can you speak to, like, how you, how you kind of, like, view that? Yeah, Um, I don't think there are any rules. I know that there are people that view being polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous as an orientation. Mm -hmm. It's a part of themselves that is not going to change no matter what. And there are people who view it differently. And I think it's whatever works for you. I think it was a very good thing for my husband and I to explore a lot of things changed for me as I got older and after he passed away. Um, I personally, I, I don't have it in me to be in a polyamorous relationship right now or ever, maybe. I'm not really sure because I have no idea what the future holds, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's so intense emotionally. It's so much work and I don't really feel like I have the emotional bandwidth for that right now. I'm just way more focused on myself and if I do get into a relationship someday just putting energy into that and not thinking about other stuff and I guess it's it's hard to say for sure what the future holds because you can't really but I think it's it's valid if it's something that you try and you find out that it's not for you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And if it's something that you try and you love it and it just really feels like you're discovering this missing piece of yourself, I think that's amazing as well. Oh, that's just such great advice. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, another thing that comes up for that is I didn't know that polyamory was a spectrum. You know, I thought it was you're polyamorous or you're monogamous, but then once I started viewing it as a spectrum, a light bulb went off for me because, you know, I had times where I felt very polyamorous and then I had days where I felt more monogamous and that brought up thoughts of I'm doing it wrong, you know, but so many things in life are a spectrum, you know, sexuality is a spectrum, so why not this too? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're not doing it wrong if some days you feel more monogamous than others and you're not doing it wrong if some days you feel more polyamorous than others right so I think that was a definitely a a good shift for me in the way that I thought about it right 
And I imagine, too, like, as you're kind of, like, shifting through that, like, spectrum, it's a lot of, like, communication and Mm -hmm. saying to your partner, like, hey, I need this from you today. Mm -hmm. Like, so I think communication is, like, I mean, it's really important in a lot of relationships and also, like, not the best in a lot of relationships. (laughs) Um, But I feel like if you really want to make any relationship work, like, communication has to be big and, like, Mm -hmm. saying what you want from your partner is important. Does that sound right? (laughs) It does. It does. And so much of it is just being able to recognize what you need and being able to ask for it. And I think that's important in any relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's a lot of different ways that you can be in relationships. You know, when somebody starts a new relationship, there's that new relationship energy of, oh, I'm obsessed with you. I just want to be with you all the time. And that can happen in... um, polyamorous relationships where you start to feel a little peripheral because your partner is dating someone new and they are maybe not around as much or they're putting a lot of energy and excitement into this new person. So it's important to speak up about how you're feeling and ask for what you need. Mm -hmm. Did you have any kind of like expectations as far as like, oh, like I get you these nights of the week and they get you these (laughs) nights or anything like that. I don't think we had anything concrete in place. I think we were pretty flexible with that. And it's everything just changes Mm -hmm. so often. So sometimes we, I guess it changed for us. Like sometimes we would be more intentional about, you know, keeping time for ourselves and, That could change depending on who you're dating and what your relationship is like with that person. I had a partner for two years ongoing when I was married and I would spend like weekends with them Mm -hmm. and that was totally okay. Mm -hmm. Or my husband would spend weekends with his girlfriend or whoever he was with back during those times. So I don't, I don't think we had like a very specific setup I think some people do and that's okay if you do because when you are dating multiple people time management is definitely a thing yes it's a challenge I mean time management is a challenge for me as is Mm -hmm. (laughs) like Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah that's I feel like that's something that's not typically considered um just purely out of curiosity do you consider yourself to be a romantic I do. I feel like my boundaries have gotten just stellar. They're (laughs) wonderful. You know, I do consider myself a romantic, but I also have good boundaries. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would describe myself today. Yeah. I love that. I love (laughs) that for you. (laughs) I do too. It's, It's really nice. You know, I'm no longer this like fairy tale idealist it's like no I'm more of a realist Mm -hmm. these days which I think is it's a good thing for me to be and boundaries are so important anyway yeah so I think things are very different for me nowadays in a good way yeah um so what I know you've given us like so much advice and like from your own life experience which is fantastic I just wanted to know if there's any like overarching advice that you might give to somebody who is considering either as a couple like 
ethical non-monogamy or considering like talking to their partner about ethical non-monogamy? I think honesty is the most important thing. Being honest with yourself about what you want, what you need, what you need to explore. Um, Chances are if it's something that you've been thinking about for a long time, it's not just going to go away overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, My husband was the only person who I ever really felt comfortable having those conversations with. I had brought it up in a previous relationship just briefly, not even saying I want this, just, hey, what do you think of this idea? And it was shut down immediately. So I was like, okay, well, I, I guess it's a no then. And then I got into a relationship where I did feel comfortable talking about these things. And that was great. So just just be honest with yourself. Know that it can be a lot of work and it can also be very joyful. Um, love is not a finite resource. A lot of the times, the more love you give, the more love you attract. So just keeping an open mind that it can be difficult, but it's can also be very rewarding and it's also not a cure-all or a fix for relationships problems that you're having I think sometimes people go into it with that expectation of let's try this let's see how it goes and if you're looking at it as something that's going to fix problems in your relationship that's not the way to look at it Mm -hmm. yeah Kate you've been fabulous I mean, you're you're always fabulous, <laughs> but, like, having you on the podcast again has been really fabulous. Thank you. And I just want to throw in there that I can only speak from my experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I don't speak for everyone. So, yeah, I'm just going to put that out there. Everyone's journey is so different. Yeah. So, yeah, if you feel differently than what I've said, that's totally valid. Um, yeah, I can only speak for myself, but I hope it's helpful for some people to hear this yeah I mean it's been helpful for me like I just feel so much more enlightened and I I love learning about everything related to love because I don't understand it (laughs) so uh my last question for you is how can people um you know follow you and maybe like if they're looking for an somebody who is competent in ethically non-monogamy ethical non-monogamy yes. <laughs> and who and who is also um, a fantastic therapist um where can where can people find you thank you that's very nice of you to say <laughs> <laughs> as if i'm gonna be like a terrible therapist yes, horrible <laughs> well i'm on instagram you can if you're looking for therapy um, resources like that. I'm at the Paquette Center. I work out of Portage and Madison now. I was at Whitewater, not anymore. But you can find me through there, and I've definitely had people um, read stuff on social media, like comments I've made, or I've put my name out there, and I've worked with people that way, so that's worked out. So you can find me on my clinic's website, uh, Pocket service, no, gosh, <laughs> Pocket Center for Psychological Services. That's the right one. And I'll put the link in the podcast <laughs> description. <Thank you. laughs> but Kate, thank you so much for joining us again. I 
thoroughly enjoy having you as a friend. I thoroughly enjoy drinking wine in my closet and interrogating you about your life. You are welcome to join me in my closet anytime. <laughs> Excellent. I will. I'll pick you up on that. <laughs> Please do, because it's always just a joy. Thank you for listening to Empowered Authenticity, the podcast. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like more content from Empowered Authenticity, make sure to follow on Instagram at empowered underscore authenticity. We'll see you next week. Wicked Temptations offers a variety of fun bedroom costumes, lingerie sets, and dancewear that will help you get in touch with your sexuality while feeling and looking like a damn snack. They offer a variety of styles and sizes to meet the needs for everyone and anyone. Click the link in this week's episode description to find that special sexy little thing that makes you feel like the diva you are today.